Welcome to Game Day Geeks with your hosts, James Mummert and Josh Davidson. I'm James Mummert. And I'm Josh. No, I'm not. I'm Mike Mummert. And I'm the last Mummert, TJ. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a special edition Game Day Geeks. We're going to call it the Thanksgiving edition. Uh, Josh Davidson not here, spending time with his family as may be expected on a, th- a Thanksgiving holiday. So instead, I've recruited a couple other Mummerts. You now get three times the Mummert action for Game Day Geeks. So guys, welcome to your first podcast. Right, this is your first podcast over for anything ever, right? Very excited uh, to have this be my initial worldwide podcast, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, when you told me that we were going to do a podcast on Thanksgiving, a live audience, I mean, you've got like half your audience in here. It's just electric. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm still going to need you to download the podcast, uh, so that way that way our numbers stay strong. I did recruit a couple people who, uh, we've got family out of town, as you guys know, but for those who actually listen to us, um, I recruited a few more auto-subscribers to iTunes, so it's always nice for that. Build the empire. One step at a time, one step at a time. So, there's really not a huge game plan for this podcast. There really never is. Um but you guys have been listening. You guys are engaging with us on different topics. So what do you guys want to talk about? You want to start with college football? It is uh, it is kind of that weekend. It's the weekend, so I think it's the, the natural first topic. Yeah, it's only appropriate. All right, so the, the playoff rankings have been coming out for about a month now. Uh, was there any surprises to you guys, anything from the week one to now that's you know, that surprises you, that you think is wrong, right? Uh, what has your feelings been generally on the college football playoff committee this year? Honestly, the the rankings have done nothing but suggest that there is Alabama and a whole lot of mediocrity because to have four Big Ten teams in the top seven or eight is kind of outlandish. And to have teams that lose and yet don't really drop – or only drop a spot, it, it just tells you that the state of college football, although entertaining to watch, is not at a dominant level like it used to be. It's, it's no longer the haves and the have-nots. It's Alabama. And then, honestly, you've got a, a group of probably, I don't know, 8 to 12 teams that are very, very similar. Right. This would be the year, you know, if there were going to be eight teams in the playoff, this would be the year where – okay, now you've got probably six that are really good teams. Um, But I I think the story is really going to boil down to what happens with the Big Ten. Are they going to get two teams in? And if Ohio State wins, uh, can Penn State or Wisconsin jump them? Or can the committee leave Ohio State out? And, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think Mike slash dad – you, you hit on a good point this year. It's basically Alabama and then everybody else. It's always okay. Well, we know Alabama's going to be one. Let's see who shakes down the rest of the top four, top ten. I mean, I've been saying it that really I, I don't like the top 25. I think it's silly because in all reality, almost every year, and especially even this year, uh, there is not there's not an opportunity to be successful and have a championship spot if you're in the bottom 
15 to 25. I really think they should do a top 10, the college football playoff committee, leave off teams 11 through 25. I know that some some of the luster and some of the media, you know, billing these matchups of top 25. But there's really about 10 teams that matter. And it, and it comes out and it comes to play when you look at these teams. Like Texas A&M, the very first week of the college football playoff, was ranked fourth, which I could understand to a degree. The SEC has a pedigree. They've built up some sort of, you know, pedigree where it's like, okay, a one-loss team should be higher than a no-loss team maybe. Well, then the following week they lose. Okay, we lose to Alabama. They're going to drop them to eight. They lose again. They're only going to drop to nine. What You know, the, the committee, I think, has, has shot itself in the foot a bit. When it comes to ranking these teams, Penn State, on the other hand, beats Ohio State, a good win, but they launch from nothing to 12th in the country. You know, I, I don't think there's consistency with these rankings. And it, on one hand, it's really nice when living in Ohio and in the Midwest to see the Big Ten getting love. But this must be how it feels almost every other year when the SEC is getting the love. Like there's a lot of criticism, and I think rightfully so, on some of these rankings when it comes to um, maybe a Penn State or Ohio State only dropping a couple spots after a loss to Penn State, an unranked team? Well, let me just throw the wrench of all wrenches into stuff. Take a look at that list. Look at number 12. Look who's sitting there at number 12. A storied program, a lot of history, and from what everybody is saying, from all your quote-unquote national experts, they're playing as well as anybody right now. USC. Right, but a three-loss team. A, a three-loss team. How in the world? I, I mean, and then that, and that's where this whole thing is just, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of blows your mind. Does the committee really want the four best teams playing right now? Or do they want the teams with the four best resumes? Because I don't care how you doctor that thing up. There's no way a three-loss anybody, USC, Alabama, even Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, put three losses on anybody. There's no way they can be considered one of the top four teams in the country overall. But what now, if one saying, of those losses what if those losses came in the beginning of the season with a new coach or a coach with some problems, etc., player hurt, something like that? Does that change your opinion? And and that that's what I'm getting at. What does the committee want? Does the committee want the best resume or the four best teams at the end of the season? Because So those it, are not mutually exclusive. Right. Those, those are two You're separate teams. You're me they're completely different. I think they are. So who's in your opinion and you don't have to rank them one through four, but who are some of your teams in your mind who have the best resumes right now? Do you think an Ohio State has one of the best resumes? They absolutely do. Well, they do. And it's tough because, well, self-disclosure, we disclose this almost every week, but we I am an Ohio State fan. My family is also Ohio State fans. Um, hello, Mom. My mother just walked into the recording studio. We're live. Mom, you can talk. Do you want us to... Okay. I was just trying to steal coffee. We only, we only have about five more minutes. Okay. Ooh, live podcasting at its finest. So, <laughs> don't worry, guys. You can laugh. It's okay. We, uh, the, the 100 people that listen to us a week, they get it. That's right. So, it's family. Anyways, Ohio State, I was saying, do you think they have one of the best resumes in the country? I do, but like you say, we are a little biased. We understand, because nationally, Ohio State's getting killed for what happened last weekend at Michigan State. But guess what? Michigan State, uh, who's the coach? D'Antonio, Mark mm-hmm. D'Antonio. He is, he's got the, he's the elixir to Ohio State. He knows how to beat them. 
He knows how to get under Urban Meyer. In fact, he's probably a tougher out than, sorry, Matt Bowman, than Michigan. Because Michigan State, for whatever reason, I, I don't say, I'm not one that says Ohio State isn't up for that game because they are. And I'm not saying whatever. I'm just saying Michigan State plays Ohio State better in the last five to ten years than anybody else, well, Big Ten or outside. And you got to throw the records out of the, uh, off the, the the table here because, yeah, Michigan State's 3-7 and seven having an atrocious year. But Ohio State and a team like Michigan and a team like Alabama is going to get the best every week, and especially when you come to a rivalry game because behind the game with Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan State is their biggest other rival, and they've, had, they've been their Achilles heel the past couple years. You're ruining a shot at the football playoff or at a BCS berth by beating, I mean, Urban Meyer's only lost four, now five Big Ten games or five games or something, and two of those have been to Michigan State. You know, that's a significant percentage of losses to one team. So, yeah, going back to this college football playoff thing, I think there's probably about five teams that have a legitimate shot. Um, I don't see Penn State having one. It's hard to argue against Penn State, but... Listen, a blocked field goal is kind of an anomaly, especially with Urban Meyer team. He's a special teams guy. I think if you played Ohio State, Michigan, excuse me, Ohio State, Penn State, at Penn State nine more times, Ohio State's going to win at least eight of those. And I don't think it's particularly close. So let's play this. Let's say Alabama wins, wins out. Clemson wins out. Washington wins out. Who gets who gets in based on an Ohio State win, and then who gets in based on uh, Michigan winning this weekend, and then Michigan Wisconsin playing in the Big Ten championship? You know the winner of that game. Um, I think obviously Michigan controls their own destiny if they, they win out. Right. No question. They're there. the only Big Ten team that yeah. control their own destiny. So now let's play. Let's play the scenarios out. And and see, I think that's easy. If Michigan beats Ohio State this weekend, Ohio State is completely done. Absolutely. They're, they're not in, and they don't deserve to be in. Correct. Then the winner of the Michigan-Wisconsin Big Ten, Big Ten championship game, they're in. So you got Alabama, and then at that point, you've got the Big Ten only getting one team in. The only way the Big Ten gets two teams in is if Ohio State wins out. Because they're going to get in if they win over Michigan, and then... Whoever wins the Big Ten championship game has a chance to get in, but they're not an automatic. I think, and I heard this somewhere on the radio this past week, with the committee after last weekend's two, three, and four teams all losing, and then Michigan not moving anywhere, and Ohio State coming up to two, someone made a really good point. That basically is, I think, a message from the committee saying the winner of this game is going to get in. Assuming if it was Michigan, they didn't lose the Big Ten championship. Right. But by leaving those teams two and three, you are telling the Ohio State fan base, you're telling the country, Ohio State, you take care of business in the game, you are going to have a spot. Will they be number two? Maybe not. Maybe they drop them to four in the final rankings. You know what? Here's the thing. But nobody wants to see that. There's no way they drop to four. No, they, the lowest they go is they're three. In, they're either two or three. Right. right. Everybody three. wants to see the matchup of Ohio State, Alabama. A couple years ago, Ohio State basically and probably beat Alabama. They were not expected to win that game with Cardell Jones. So, yes, that's a matchup everyone's going to want to see in the finals. If you don't think that the ratings have some sort of effect to do it with the TV markets and who's going to watch the game, 
You're crazy. You've already had too much because, head on. Because, you know, Washington winning is not going to bring the kind of numbers in. Or even Penn State. No. Or even Wisconsin. If you're not, if you're excluding an, Al- an Ohio State or a Michigan and you have the opportunity to include them, you're going to include them because they have giant alumni bases. They've got giant fan bases that, A, travel well to those bowls, but, B, tune into those games. Right. You just hit it. Nationally, you've got three ratings meters, or rating meter movers right now, the top three teams. So th- th- at least two of those are going to get in. I, is there a scenario where you get Michigan and Ohio State? Both in? Is there a scenario? I don't think so. I don't don't think so either. If Michigan, let's say Michigan loses, because Ohio State only gets in if they beat Michigan. We've talked about that. So that would mean that Michigan would have to lose, meaning they would not play in the Big Ten Championship game because Ohio State or Penn State would go. Well, we're we're, we're assuming Michigan State doesn't beat Penn State. Right. Well, regardless, even if... Michigan State does beat Penn State. Ohio State moves in. Right. So Michigan's only chance would be this one game. They don't have the resume, in my opinion. I mean, they beat Colorado, which is becoming a more and more quality win as they go by. They beat Sparty. They beat Sparty, but what's Sparty done? Well, they're winning the other. They're going to be in the Big Ten championship game. Sparty, the Spartans, I'm Michigan sorry. State. I'm, I'm thinking. We're talking Wisconsin. about Wisconsin. I'm thinking Wisconsin. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Badgy. Badgy. Old, ba- old Badgy here. Uh, <laughs> So they beat Badgie, but they haven't really played anybody else. They really have not. So if you don't have that signature win against an Ohio State or a Big Ten championship win against a top eight opponent, they're not getting in. So this is what I've heard also a lot of people nationally say. This is like a college football quarterfinal. You know, one of these two teams are going to get in. You're not going to get them both in. And that's what I love about the game. It's meant that way for the BCS for a long time as well. This is a heavyweight game. Even if if Alabama happens to lose the Iron Bowl this weekend, they're still safe. Right. And they're, they're gonna, probably still number one. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't see the committee I, moving them. Yeah, the, the, the only I mean, if if there's a blowout either way in the game, and Alabama were to get roasted, I mean, if it's a close game, Alabama's going to stay one. They would have to get dusted, and then there would also have to be a blowout in the Ohio State Michigan game. For there to even be a chance, but yeah. I mean, a lot of answers I think will be answered after this weekend of play. You got a lot of the rivalry games. Plus, now we're going to move into championship week. Some schools don't have it. Hey, Oklahoma, how are you doing? Yeah, Big Twelve. Y- you lost your chance. <laughs> not only did you lose your chance not adding a championship game, you decided not to invite a Houston or Cincinnati to actually make your conference relevant again, which. On the other hand, this is the first time the college football playoff committee is going to have to be tested because they've always been putting conference champion emphasis, and Ohio State is about ready to test it. Louisville, until they choked last week against Houston, was going to test it as well. Now you've got Ohio State knocking on the door, number two, and only in a lot of a help scenario are they going to get into the national or to their college conference championship. I mean, just answer me this, though. Going back just a little bit to what we just discussed, Ohio State-Michigan possibility, does the quality of win, the eye test, make a difference in uh, their rankings next week? So say Ohio State-Michigan goes to a 59-59 game at the end of regulation. They do triple overtime. It's just a shootout. 
does the committee look at that and say these two heavyweights just battled it out? They're the two and the three team in the country. One of them obviously had to win. We're going to go ahead and put them both in because they deserve to be there. I just don't I mean, see is how that you can a do scenario? that. I think it's, I mean, the, the scenarios you can run wild with, but I don't think it's a legitimate one just because even this year, the Big 12 is down. Oklahoma is the best team, but now you come back into the Penn State, Ohio State scenario. You can't put in Oklahoma with not being a conference champion over in Ohio State who would have even – they have one less loss currently, but they beat them head-to-head, and they smashed them head-to-head. You've got the Pac-12, which is potentially down, but I think a Colorado, a USC, those are sneaky teams to look at. Now, USC with three losses is crazy, but they've got some quality wins. Their losses, they lost to Alabama first game of the year. That's not a – you can't count that as a bad loss when you lose to the juggernaut team. Okay, <laughs> oh, I gotta stop you right there. I mean, I don't have it in front. It was of like fifty-five. Me. If to I 10. remember right, it was about a forty-five point game. That's a bad loss. I don't okay. care who's it to, who it's to. Is is a loss worse in September, the first week of September, as opposed to mid-November when your team's actually clicking and playing? Granted, that was the point. That time was going of the year. there. Sure. So okay, let me say this. I'll excuse that loss, I just, even bad or not. I'll excuse that loss with the USC. I don't know off the top of my head who else they've lost to. I believe it was, they've lost to another Reigns team, and I thought they might have lost to Stanford. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, there's. I think Stanford. going back, TJ, to your, to your point, is that I don't think there's a scenario where Ohio State and Michigan get in no matter what happens to the game, no matter how close or anything it is, just because you're essentially asking now the committee to leave out, A, the potential Big Ten champion, and B... You're already going to, if you're putting in two Big Ten teams with the champion and potentially Ohio State, you're now leaving out two conferences instead of one, which two, it's hard to explain, I think. Yeah, and and keep in mind, you know, going back to USC, the, the committee has never put in a two-loss team, let alone a three-loss team. So that would just be uncharted waters, and, you know, I don't know that they're... Well, with ready with, to do that with the the final weekend of the season, and then all the championship game still out there. There's still enough people that can lose that USC can be the beneficiary of that. I agree. It would be it, they're opening themselves up for a lot of second guessing. Let's move on to the NFL. Today is Turkey Day. Uh, we're recording this now. We're re-recording this portion. At 4.15, so the Lions escaped once again going down in the fourth quarter on a costly interception by Sam Bradford. They've escaped. They won 16-13. to But anything in the past couple weeks, what do you guys want to talk about NFL? Uh, that's a good question. <clears throat> I mean... This isn't awkward. We're doing a podcast. I ask you what you want to... You have a chance to come on to the most renowned Game Day Geeks podcast there ever has been. And you guys give me a total silence. So, you guys are Bengal fans, yeah. right? You want to talk about the Bengals or is your blood pressure okay, Dad? Because you just had some pie. You had your pumpkin pie. So, you you know, are you good to talk about them for a few minutes? Or do you want to, should we talk about somebody as else? As long as we do it in short snippets, I should be okay. Uh, the season, as we know, it is in fact over. Um, officially it ended last week on the third play of the game uh, where A.J. Green came up limp and lame and was carted off the field. Which uh, this is, uh, 
the AFC North before the year started was supposed to be the best conference. Oh, they're, they're, they might have three teams to go to the playoffs. And now you don't even have – you have one team that's above 500, I think, or – Right, two. one team has to go to the playoffs because the, somebody has to win the division. It's in the rules. Someone has to win that division. I don't even think Cleveland is technically out of the race for the division yet. That's how bad it is. So what has happened to the AFC North? And, I mean, the Bengals season is not technically over, but, yes, with their best player, their best playmaker – out sideline for a couple weeks, and now Giovanni Bernard, who's got who's one of their best playmakers in space, out for the year. It certainly looks rough. But what has went wrong with the Bengals this year? It has been, and and I'm, I, I will go out and say up front, I'm not one that blames the coaching staff normally. However, one thing has become blatantly just in your face about the Bengals and. Specifically, their offensive approach. All you hear about the Bengals, weapons, 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 weapons. When you watch some real football teams play, take the Patriots, take what used to be the Packers, uh, offenses that, what they, what makes offenses so tough that are really good is they take advantage of their personnel against the other personnel. They... Uh, they they take like their running backs and they put them in a matchup with the linebackers. Like when the Falcons went out to Denver, Denver's linebackers could not cover Atlanta's uh, running backs out of the backfield. They did that because of matchups, formations. That's the one thing that kills me about this, especially this rendition of the Bengal team. They have all these playmakers, but you do not see them, t- before he was hurt, you did not see the Bengals taking advantage of a Giovanni Bernard, of a Tyler Eifert in the right circumstance. Like this past Sunday when they played Buffalo, as soon as Green went out, nothing happened with Eifert in the first half. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Zero. And, okay, I understand. You know, I'm not looking at the All-22 film, and I wasn't at the game, but was he that well covered? Or did they just not really make an effort to go to him? And, And that's the thing that really bothers me. And that's why... I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's time for a change. I've been saying it's time for a change for a couple years. The biggest part problem I've had with the Marvin Lewis era has always been his management of the clock oh. and his management with his challenges and timeouts. There, I can't even count. I have way more. I have way less fingers and toes for how many times Marvin Lewis has challenged a second and seven completion for three yards where you lose that, but then you just don't even challenge ones that would be big playmakers. Or how within the first minute of the game we're having to call a timeout on offense. It's like, you know, what is going on here? So, TJ, do you think that Marvin Lewis, it's time for a change with Marvin? Or what? what's your feelings? Absolutely. I, I mean, I've been one to, if it, if it were up to me, Marvin probably wouldn't have been here three years ago. Um, but I, I'm along the same lines where I think Marvin has done a really good job building a foundation there. They've done a really good job drafting. And for that reason, you know, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to fire Marvin Lewis. I think he will not be the coach next year, but he may be involved in their front office uh, or he will be retired. So I I think they're going to give him uh, a respectful goodbye and 
you know, he, I think if, if he wants to, he will probably work in their personnel department in the front office, you know, something like that. So which, and I want both of you to answer this because uh, the former Bengals coaches that have gone on are currently coaching. You've got Zimmer in Minnesota. You've got Gruden at Washington. You've got uh, Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. Let's talk about those three. Of those three, if you could have one of them back to be either their position or the head coach, would, would you pick any of the three? And you only get one if you do pick. I think that the biggest mistake was letting Hugh Jackson go. Um, he had prior head coaching experience with the Raiders, did some good things, but had a, you know, who could work for Al Davis. Then he came back and, and was back to just a coordinator again to, again, just really broaden his perspective as far as looking at things. And now he's back being a head coach. I'm actually, I think that the Browns are on a good trajectory. Um, with him. I don't have as much confidence in Jay Gruden. Zimmer, I think the the um I mean I don't have anything against Zimmer, but of the three it would be Hugh Jackson for me. Yeah, I liked Hugh Jackson's creativity on offense, but I'm not convinced that he's a good head coach. I would agree that uh, where he's taking the Browns is farther advanced than where they have been. I, I think he's on the right path there. But I'm just not convinced he could get it done as a head coach. I would probably pick Zimmer uh, for his defensive-mindedness and then rely on him to bring in a, a good offensive coordinator. You know, If you could have Zimmer as a head coach and Hugh Jackson as an offensive coordinator, I would be thrilled. Um, Jay Gruden, in my mind, is the, the least of the three. Which, out of those three teams, though, he's having the most success, <clears throat> if you look at it. Right. But, you know... The problem I have with Zimmer, and I love Zimmer as a person, especially getting to watch Hard Knocks when the Bengals have been featured. You get to see a little bit more about him. And then being from this area, we've we've been able to read some extra stories on him and his family and some of the struggles they've gone with, you know, gone through. But the problem I think with a defensive minded head coach is it really has a tendency to limit your offense. I mean, look at Minnesota. That's exactly what's happening. They even had North Turner, who's this guru of quarterbacks and offense, and they had to fire him. And they went five and zero, and now they've they're skidded. They've lost four of their last five, or five of their last six, including today, uh, just recently to the Lions. So I love Zimmer, but yeah, I agree with you, uh, Mike, on Hugh Jackson. That uh, I wish, ideally, what they would have done in my perfect world would have been. Last year, paid him, you know, and we know that Mike Brown's not going to do this, but or the Brown family won't do this, but given him a blank checkbook and said, write this number down for offensive coordinator. As long as it's not crazy, we want you to stay one more year because we want you to be the head coach of this team, and Marvin really is on, you know, it's an awkward conversation to have, but what you've done is you haven't taken a gamble on, on some of your best coaches, and now they've walked away to greener pastures. And I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to hire from within because that's what they love to do, Cincinnati. Is Paul Gunther the answer? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so either. And I, and I don't know that that's what they're going to do. Uh, I think John Gruden is, an, is a very interesting choice. John Gruden. Why, why are you giving me this look? People can't see the looks on the podcast. you got to get vocal about what your disagreement with me. Okay. There's no, re, there's no way John Gruden's coming out of the booth to coach anywhere. Why? He's got the perfect gig now. He's making a big gazillion dollars a year. 
and he gets to just go Y two banana whatever all day, and and he and he's just counting money. He he has zero responsibility. He's got the play toy of ESPN at his disposal, and yeah. I agree that, with but that. do I you think he that. would be a good coach or a good fit for a, who? Give me a person then. If you I, don't I, think John Gruden, or you don't think who ideally, or who if you had your choice, would be the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals next year. I've heard Tom name. Coughlin thrown around because, but he's old and doesn't have a, a long shelf life left for coaching. Right. So are you, I mean, but Tom Herman, boom, did it. So you, done. Okay, he's gonna jump from college to be the coach of the Bengals. Okay. You have names like I mean, just getting thrown around here. I'm not saying they're a good fit, but um, Kyle Shanahan is now getting tossed around for potentially Terrible. being able to take a head coaching position. Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. Uh, about getting another crack at it. I don't know that they're my picks, but... Well, who's your pick? I'm asking the question. If you had to pick and you were able to pick any coach that you wanted who is likely available or could be available, who would you pick for the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, you guys are going to laugh at this, but I would rather see Cower come out of the booth (laughs) (laughs) and take over that job. Uh I mean, here's here's another interesting question because, you know, you likely could have the Bengals job come open, which is a very attractive job in and of itself. But at the same time, you could also have a Green Bay Packer job come open with Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in Green Bay. I mean, as a coach, I'm sure Green Bay is probably looking a lot more attractive. Do you think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would be shocked if Mike McCarthy's back next year. I I don't know that I'd go that far. I mean, this if is the first still, bad year that they've had. If they can still make it into the playoffs, then... Which they're not. Are they officially eliminated? No, but they're not going to. Okay. But if they make it there, are they a team that you would want to face? I don't think so. Because if they make it there, they're going to be a hot team riding into the playoffs. And, I mean, at that point, I think McCarthy's safe. If he misses the playoffs... I think you're, I think you're confusing the Green Bay Packers for what would Brown do for you in fantasy, because that's a team nobody wants in the playoffs, including you, Matt Bowman. I know you listen. Come get me. Well, <clears throat> speaking of fantasy and all this NFL, I have one more NFL question before we move on to fantasy. We've talked a little bit on this podcast. The ratings have been down in the NFL. A lot of it's probably dealing with the election year. And other things with you know the concussion injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you got have you guys have found any less interest in the NFL this year than in prior years? A little bit, and to me, it's not election year. It 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 honestly is the actual product that's on the field. Some of that is does that have to do with the different emphasis as far as the defensive penalties? Every time there's a big hit, you I expect a flag. Or I a hate, big play. Even. I hate <laughs> right. Or the thing that kills us here in Cincinnati, third and whatever, I almost five times a game there's gonna be an illegal use of the hands on the defense. It's gonna be five yards and an automatic first down, no matter what the no matter what the play is. And that's even before they, you know, do their bonehead fifteen yard penalties. But it it to me it is it's a less interesting product. Again, if you go back to my comments earlier about just offenses in general, this, you know, dink and dunk where we're going to take 
12 plays to get down the field. Not that interesting a football. You know. Okay, so I make you pick right now. From this point forward, this season, you can only watch college football and its remaining part of the season, or you can watch the NFL and its remaining season. Which one do you have to pick? I'm going to pick NFL. and Is it because am, of fantasy? Exactly. That's right where I'm going with okay. it. I mean, it's a pure product of I play fantasy football. I love it. And that's what really drives my interest. Now, I will say that back when, you know, I think they're getting structured to a point where they're just not allowing uh, what they used to. I mean, like the days of uh, Joe Horn, Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to call them. They made it fun. They were having fun. I mean, they were still getting flagged on some of these uh, celebration penalties, but they were having fun out there. You just don't see that as much anymore. You know, you see a few dances, but um, I, I just want to see the players having fun. I think Goodell's kind of uh, limiting that. that. That's valid. From an excitement standpoint, pure on-the-field excitement, the college game is more interesting, but I will agree with TJ I would even even after saying that I would still pick pro because of the fantasy aspect. See, I I'm on the other side, and this is the first year I can say that. Whether it's because my fantasy teams are really really bad, you are pretty bad in fantasy. Really, who bad. knows? Really bad. I mean, <clears throat> potentially the worst. Definitely worst in this room. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. And this is what you get for inviting your family to do a podcast with you. But. I don't know whether it's fantasy or the fact that there's just been a lot of interesting college football weeks. I don't know. I'm just starting to slowly lose interest in the NFL. Am I still going to play fantasy next year? Absolutely. Am I still going to watch the NFL next year? Absolutely. But I Are think you still going to finish last in fantasy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, what? this is a perfect segue. What? I was just going to say one thing that I do think the NFL has going for it that they need to explore further are shows like Hard Knocks, and that's not their product, that's HBO, but, I mean, Hard Knocks, anything that is allowing you to get behind the scenes of the NFL, because Average Joe, you, me, and, and anyone else, we don't really get that picture, and for me, I'm intrigued when I see, especially they did the Bengals a few years ago, that was really interesting, but you, any team that you Were watch, you intrigued when Jared Goff, the number one pick, couldn't tell you where the, you know which way the sun rose? I think what's more interesting instead of that is, Miked up or something like that, where yeah, you hear the you hear the discussion that goes on in game or on the sidelines. I don't think we need to be in the locker room, but that kind of thing. I'm I'm I'll sit and watch that stuff. I mean, like following like the the cuts, the cut line. Yeah, that, that's part of hard knocks. Right. You know, you're living, except you you're like those people the... and they get cut, and you're like, why did I just invest six hours of my life watching these episodes? But yeah. Well, let's let's segue into the Justice League. Josh is not here to record this, but uh, we do have our rosters set. Last week he did beat me after I had beat him the week before, so he has now got uh, his back up to the three game lead on me with only six weeks to go. Ouch! Wow. Yeah, those business cards are looking more and more real every day that I go on. So uh, his lineup this week, he's going with Eli Manning. They play the Browns. The Giant, he, his theme every week is basically to pook over playing the Browns. That's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Didn't work out so well last week, though. If it wouldn't have been for Le'Veon Bell going just absolutely off, it wouldn't have who'd been. Who did he play? I'm sorry? Le'Veon Bell, who did he play last week? The Browns. Okay. <laughs> the Browns. But you're saying it's not working out for him. Uh, 
Mike Mummer will never be invited to do this podcast again, <laughs> for the record. Uh, this week he's going with Eli. He's going with uh, ODB as his wide receiver. Rashard Matthews from Tennessee. Kobe Fleener uh, for New Orleans. Uh, Matthews, the wide receiver for Philadelphia. Uh, he's going with Jeremy Hill this week uh, with no Geo. He's he's looking for Jeremy to get big uh, big carries. The Giants defense and Robbie Gould for a kicker. This week, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, who plays in about two minutes. Melvin Gordon, Doug Baldwin, and Mike Crabtree. I'm going with two Cowboys, kind of risky, but I, I like the picks this week. Cole Beasley and Jason Witten. Then the Steelers defense playing against the Andrew Luckless Colts That's tonight. Solid. The Steelers defense has been crap this year, but I'm just hoping that a backup QB on short on short rest and short notice uh, maybe makes a couple mistakes. And then Mason Crosby for the Packers. So, yeah, not not been the greatest uh, fantasy year thus far. Although we have been talking about it the last couple of weeks, so I can't I can't go against tradition now. Uh, we talk a lot about the King of the Hill pool that I'm in. So this week, 120 entries remaining. I went ahead and locked in the Patriots again. They play uh, at the Jets. They were at San Francisco last week, which kind of gave me a little bit of a scare, but uh, the monsoon and stuff in the first half subsided, and then uh, Tom Brady, terrific time there, took it away. So, uh, Dad, you tried to get <clears> – <throat> you didn't try, but you, you questioned had I locked in my entry because of the Andrew Luck news breaking yesterday. But I told you the I, I'm not going to change a pick because if I do that and let's say the Colts lose or win tonight, and I had changed to the Steelers, I would have been mad at you. I gotta I gotta be you, mad at myself. You would you would have been mad at me because you lost ten dollars. That's really all you would have been mad at me about. Because really, that's all that was your investment ten dollars. So if you want to be mad at me for ten dollars, that's on you. But I I was just giving you other options because I know you like. If possible, get your pick locked in early, a game early in the week. That way you don't have to sit and sit all the way through Sunday or even into Monday in some cases right. to get your result. Now, so, wait, do you – you guys both play in this, right? Uh, I did not. You have yeah. you have in prior years, though, yeah. right? And, but and you and played I, in this year, right, Dad? I, I did, yeah, and I, I was so out. So what, what week did you get out again? Uh, one – first pick was lost in week two. Okay. Second okay. pick was locked lost in week four. So, yeah, I've been – it's been easy for me ever since week four. I have yet to be uh, defeated, so. I'm no, this is it, it's a fun it's a fun thing, and yes, it, it will only be ten dollars. But the prospect of twenty two thousand five hundred ish dollars, that really uh, that really kind of tickles your fancy a little bit. So, what's that? Pictures. Um, uh, this is live breaking news for the Game Day Geeks podcast. Uh, Thanksgiving pictures will be <laughs> in moments. So, I can sympathize with with your uh, notion there that once you lock it in, it's locked, and and you want it to be your pick. Um, I'm kind of of the the school of thought that don't talk to me until I've made my pick. Don't exactly. give me any information until I made my pick. And yeah, I'm gonna. I and made I don't my make, bed. I'm gonna lie in it. I I don't make my pick until my pick that week is safe. I don't even think about it. Like I won't look into the next week's matchups. But yeah, had I not make a, made a pick going up into yesterday, I would have certainly thought about it. Uh, the Steelers looked to be in good position with was it Scott Tolzien or I think I think that's right. I, I was so confident in the Steelers, I would have been willing had you switched to the Steelers and the Colts won, 
I would have given you $10 to, oh. to, to make it easy. That, okay. that way, I think that would be fair. So what about the other $22,490? You're going to have to talk to TJ about that. <laughs> okay. okay. Is there anything else you guys want? I mean, you guys had some questions. We do need to do the... Uh, Top five desserts, and we'll wrap. What do we? What if we wrap it up with that? The top five Thanksgiving desserts. We talked about dishes last week. Uh, we've actually already had a little bit of dessert right now. We're probably clearing the stomachs for second. You know, round two. Give me your top five desserts. Well, I, I mean, I know what your number one is. Well, I think I do. I mean, it's got to be the pumpkin pie. It's got to be the pumpkin. Well, the pumpkin, the pumpkin pie. Okay. Yeah. Um, number two. See, that, that's the thing. Wow, I, you're you're revealing the other way. You're just giving everyone I'm, the meat right there. I, I'm coming. Here come the potatoes. I'm coming straight out with the gold, and okay. then silver and bronze. You know, right after that. It's almost like who cares? He's who, saying who I'm silver. giving you Alabama, and the rest of you don't matter. Right. That's what I'm hearing. So you're basically, pumpkin pie is the Alabama Crimson Tide this year of college football. And really, uh, who you, ca- if you're putting whipped cream on Alabama, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and really, who cares about the rest of the teams, right? Because it's whoever plays Alabama is going to get destroyed. From my perspective, that's right. That that plate, you've got a big old piece of pumpkin pie there. Nothing else does really matter. Well, so. then, uh, young Tyler, since uh, you know Michael has laid his bed there with pumpkin, do you want to go with number five and work your way down, or do you just want to spoiler alert everybody anyways and <laughs> go number one? Well, I mean, in my mind, I don't know that I have five, you know. For me, I'm looking at three things. Number three, monkey bread. Mm-hmm. Number two, third cake. Number one, Twinkie cake. Any better you had that at your wedding, which was that which was, was pretty good. That, that was solid. And last week I gave the spoiler alert away for me. It's pecan pie. Dirt cake is up there for sure. I think right at number two though is a nice Oreo cheesecake. In fact, somebody at our work made an Oreo brownie cheesecake that was just very very delicious. So uh, actually, this is perfect timing because the music is playing in the background, which means hey, it's time to wrap it up. Guys, I appreciate you joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, banana cream pie. Thanks for listening to Game Day Geeks. Follow us at facebook.com slash gamedaygeeks, Twitter at gdgeeks, or send us an email, gamedaygeeks at yahoo.com. Find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. And as always, we appreciate your reviews.